show we have got a terrible episode for you today yeah turn it off what are you doing it's gonna to suck <laughs> oh you picked a real stinker of one to tune in on <laughs> why is today gonna be so bad rob can you oh, tell him? it's gonna be the worst um me and morgan we're just all out of sorts we don't know what we're talking about our sense of humor's down the toilet just like our potty mouths <laughs> <laughs> and the toilet's backed up and there's yep. no plunger in sight there's so. going to be a plumber working in the background real loud. <laughs> Lots of background noise. shit water spraying everywhere as the plunger that he brings inevitably. You're going to smell this podcast through your car stereo on your way to work. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that there aren't going to be little splatters on your calves of, of poop water. Mm-hmm. You're going to try and turn on that air recirculation feature that you know your car has and you're not really sure where the button is. You're going to turn that on and it's not going to make it any better because the smell is coming from inside the car. And you think that you can just do your laundry and like wash the scent out of all of the cloth that it's touched. But you'd be wrong because that shit seeps into your psyche. And then every time you see those pants, your mind thinks of poop. Hey, uh, this is a really fun bit, but you just introduced me to a tangent that I want to go on. Do you mind? Can't wait. Okay. I did confession. New Uh segment. I did confession. (laughs) All right. Okay. We're introducing that. Like with a priest, you did confession? I did confession. Okay. Okay. Here's my I did confession for today. Okay. I washed the rag that I've been wiping the grease out of my pans with in the laundry with my regular clothes. And now then all my clothes smelled like... Just like crayon Play-Doh bullshit. It was bad. Like so, I had all these clean clothes that I folded, and then noticed like, oh wait, I folded them all. That's the double whammy of it all. I put them away, and then I was like, oh, I don't even remember which ones they are now. They've assimilated into the population of clothes in my wardrobe. Are they infecting the other population? I don't think it's that bad. Okay. So I, I did a smell shirt by shirt, um, underwear by underwear. Wow. Then I put the stuff back in the laundry. And then I washed it with OxyClean wow. dust powder wow. stuff. <laughs> I put that in there, and I'm happy to report Oh my God. everything's right as rain. It all smells good again. Because you said you're Hail Marys and you're Our Fathers. Yeah, I did confession. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of that segment. So if you're like me, and you've only recently started using rags in the kitchen to like yeah. wipe up your grease on your um, cast iron skillets. I'm sure this is something that everyone is eagerly taking notes on because they're like, I am like point. you in this A lot this of people respect. are like that. They, you know, they're in their late 20s. They just started cooking. They started yeah. outfitting their kitchen with stuff they were excited about using, for instance. Yeah. Cast iron skillets. Oh, it heats so evenly and gets hot so quickly. Oh, and it's nonstick? Wow. You don't even have to use soap to wash it? Wow. All of that stuff's, you know, impressive, makes you feel legit. Oh, I'm working on my forearm strength when I pick this thing up. It's so heavy. Oh, make sure I have a silicone gripper on it, though, because it's one single piece of cast iron. You know, all of that is, like, right, fun right, right, for you right. when you're starting out. And so you're, you're getting greasy rags. Just throw the rags away and buy new rags. You can get real cheap rags. Yeah, because what, what is I mean. the cost of ruining all those clothes? In, invaluable. It could be priceless. Depending on the yes. memories Well, associated. you can save them, I found. By washing them again. Yeah, but that's, with OxyClean. that's like annoying and lots of time and you might miss one or two if you've already folded them and put them away. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out every single pitfall along the way. That was really helpful. Yeah, thanks. Well, this is really just therapy for me. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, this is really the segment. <laughs> the first segment of our podcast is just therapy for us. <laughs> Don't fuck up like I did. Listen, Sonny. 
And like you won't, but like listen to my tale because it's therapeutic yeah, for me. Yeah, I've got some woe here. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. We should call this segment Woe There. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, what about Woe Nelly? <laughs> and when it gets big enough, we can sure. bring on the, I guess the named famous Nelly. singer Nelly Furtado. Oh, I thought you were going to go rapper Nelly. Oh, no, 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 no. That was an intentional curveball, though. Yes. Yeah. We, we ask her to come in, but we tell her she must wear a Band-Aid on her face. Okay. She probably gets that a lot. Yeah. Like, hey, we, we couldn't get Nelly, but <laughs> you were next in the phone book. <laughs> there's Nelly with no last name, and then there's Nelly Furtado. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how alphabetical works. <laughs> and, you know, everyone has this phone book of yeah. the stars. <laughs> Yeah. By their stage names. If you uh, feel self-conscious about wearing a Band-Aid just for cosmetic reasons, yeah. we can give you a little scratch on your cheek so that you're actually covering something. Wow. That's an amazing service that you provide. What do you charge for a service like that? $400. <laughs> That's a steal. Yeah. We do take insurance. $75 copay. And you have to sign a liability waiver. Yeah. You do, because we could fuck up and blind you <laughs> real easy. Um, we get distracted mid-slice. <laughs> so uh, what do you think, you guys? you want to hear us keep masturbating over our own yeah. stupid jokes? This is now a phone sex podcast <laughs> with jokes. Yeah, it's called Peeping Toms, and you guys are the Toms peeping on our yeah. masturbatory Ooh. sessions. Who's got their binoculars up in the tree this evening? No idea. <laughs> And what advice do they need? Mm-hmm. Rob, do you have any advice that you need this week? Oh, um, yeah, something that I've been thinking about is... Um, Lay it on me. When... Uh, so I haven't had this experience yet. Okay. But uh, it's coming. It's if, if I'm prolific... Well, I'm asking for friends. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Say you're... Fr- I was thinking about Chance the Rapper's album. I'm not Who's friends. a friend of yours? <laughs> I'm not friends with Chance. <laughs> okay. Or either of the Nellies. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, Yet. I'm friends with some artists, though, that are not on Chance's level, who have put out things <laughs> that meet a negative reception, as Chance's ah. album did. And um, I was just imagining, like, man, if I was Chance's friend, or if, if I have a friend in a similar situation, what can I do to help them if they're going from proud and excited to share mm. something, and then the overwhelming public reaction is negative they should have worked harder, worked longer. They should have gone in a different direction on that thing. What's the best route to take? Like, what to am I even, them. am I meant to comfort them? Am I meant to help them do better next time? Am I, yeah. What does that person need in that moment when their baby comes out all fucked yeah. up? <laughs> Metaphorically. Right, of course. Different question if I'm talking about babies with deformities and, and comforting their parents. Is or, you know, absolutely, that, absolutely. Probably. We'll handle these matters okay, separately. Good, good, Although good. I'm sure there will be some overlap in the Great. let's look for that later um, <laughs> let's point out the let's draw out the venn diagram um no so i mean i think that anyone anytime that we're advising people on support i think it's valuable to start that conversation with um you know of course receive what they're telling you but then make it clear that you're listening to them but then ask like okay in light of this you know what um how can I best support you in this moment? So it's like, what's the right wording to ask? And what's the right feedback to Not share? even that they're no. necessarily coming to me with the problem, but I know that that's happened. Does that make sense? So is the question like, must I act on this information? 
Can you, can you... I know that my friend is down because yes. they released an album Got it. that they were stoked on and then people did not like it and they, they're internalizing that reaction. And Okay. They have not come to you asking for help. No. You are just aware of this no. problem. Are yes. they aware that you're aware? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I have never been in a situation quite like this. I mean, I've made creative products that aren't music, um, you know, that, that have gotten, uh, negative feedback, like, you know, art pieces and stuff. But, um, and I think acknowledging that it's really hard to receive any negative feedback, let alone, you know, disproportionately high amount of negative feedback when you release something into the world that, you know, even if you're not proud of it, it's still a tremendous vulnerability to make anything creative and to open yourself up in that way. So I would say um, they probably, I don't know, maybe they, are they the kind of person who would want, uh, would feel embarrassed about you acknowledging this issue? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think I might just if because you imagine that they're the main feeling that they're feeling is just sort of hurt, um, w like wounded in the sense of like reluctant would be reluctant to release further creative products. Because I guess I think it's like thinking about what is the target or what is the goal of making contact with it with them is it to say i'm here for you if you need anything is it to say hey keep work keep making creative output even though you got this response is it to process specific feedback um i think being clear about like what is your purpose if you are to approach them um okay and then asking them what would be the most supportive um mm. but overall letting them know like you know i'm thinking about you and um, finding something positive to say about the creative output. Um, it was easy for me because I, in this situation that I'm referencing, genuinely liked the work. And yeah. he was upset about other people's reactions. And I yeah. was like, hey, my opinion is that this is full of really good stuff. Yeah. I think it's hard because we often think that when someone says something, even about us directly, um, that it's something that we really have to factor into like our self-concept or it has the yeah. potential to infiltrate our self-concept. Um, and so perhaps just reminding him, this is not a commentary on you, your worth as a person, your worth as an artist. Um, this is not an indication that you should stop creating if it brings you joy. Um, if he or she feels there's room for improving how they handle criticism if they're going to be in an artist sort of position in their life and continuing to put out creative work. It would be a useful skill for them to learn how to process it more effectively maybe because, you know, regardless of if the work is good or if there's potential for them to have a successful career in it or if they enjoy it and they just want to share it, if that's an activity that they're going to pursue in the future, I think staying grounded in who you are, staying grounded in your relationship with the creative process, your relationship with your own artwork um, in the face of negative feedback is really important because at the end of the day, like haters going to hate and any feedback that you get from someone is filtered through the lens of their life experience, how they feel about your artistic product, 
if it brought up negative feelings for them and that could have been part of the intention, um, you know, discomfort that comes from creative output, jealousy, envy. There, We don't know why people have why specific people respond negatively to the things that we put in, out in the world. Um, but overall, what we can say is that it's not our duty to put things out there just to please people because that's, you know, not um, moving the needle forward in terms of, like, the artistic creative conversation. Um, I don't know. This is, I'm, I'm finding my okay. advice to be very scattered. <clears throat> Yeah, I uh, at times I think that an artist's goal is to please a certain mm -hmm. population of people mm -hmm. um, or give them something that they can enjoy or want to listen to. And if people don't want to listen to it more than once, then it does feel like a failure if you're thinking about providing a service or your music at all is like a business or some type of spiritual uh, supplement or resource yeah. for people. Um, so I can I can relate to the feeling of failure. I don't know. I yeah. think I think what I did was just uh, providing a counter opinion of yeah. hey, I'm somebody that this is good for, that this helped, yeah. that enjoys this. Yeah. I hope that that was helpful to him. And I mean, is there someone else that you know who you think based on how you responded to it would also enjoy it that you could share it with and get their feed, their positive feedback? Yeah. I think yeah. that might be a nice thing. To okay. kind of change that balance. I'll play you a song in the car on the way. <laughs> oh, so that person's me. Great. I, I really recommend this album. Great. To most Should we play it on the podcast? <laughs> no. I don't I'm just kidding. Great. Great. I, I mean, I think that re uh, being sure, though, to listen to uh, their response to what you're offering them and reflexively adjust the feedback that you give them or the reassurance or the support based on what you feel like they need, yeah, you know, is important because your relationship with yourself as an artist and your artwork is going to be different than theirs. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the more that you cannot make assumptions about what that is um, and, and trying to kind of like solve whatever problem that is, you know, you, it's, it seems to be sort of missing the overall point, which is to support and encourage this person. Yes. My general rule of thumb is unsolicited positive feedback is okay. Unsolicited negative feedback, not okay. Wait until it's solicited <laughs> and then give constructive, if, if at all possible. If it's things that they can change, mm. focus on those things in the negative feedback only if it's specifically asked for. Yeah. Yeah. I think I um, have a preference personally and observe the opposite in terms of <laughs> the output that I give other people. You only give unsolicited like, negative feedback. <laughs> well, not I only, no, 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 not that I only give okay. unsolicited negative feedback, but like I personally, um, get a lot more out of positive encouragement and like to get validation. And then we'll come to my own conclusions about how do I best motivate myself and proceed sort of empowered by that buoying of spirit mm. Um, but as an advice giver, I sometimes feel, um, that I'm not doing my best service to that person if I don't share with them something that might be off-putting, but is, uh, knowledge that I have about a next step that they can take or something that they can look at. And I'm, you know, your, your comment reminds me that like, I don't want that always. So why would anyone else always want right. that? Right. Yeah. 
Okay. Cool. So yeah, keep. I think you you have great, you know, Thank great you. gut on it. Just yeah, Thanks. keep it positive Any, and listen. Is there anything you want advice on? Uh, how to give better advice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, pause. Yeah. Formulate and deliver succinctly. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> Rob's just nodding <laughs> silently. <laughs> There's plenty of fun to be had in the style that you use, but yeah, I think it would be received better if you took a second, in 10 seconds, thought about it, and then delivered a succinct message and stopped talking at the end of it and like gave the weight to that period at the end of your thought. I find that in the format of this podcast, I struggle to do that because I feel compelled to fill the air more so than in a conversation. I, yes, I agree that there's a different consideration when you're doing any kind of radio program that dead air is scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I've heard that you're meant to keep their being sound. People will worry that their record their stereo has turned off. Or yeah, the what's the stopped. existential fear for you guys when we stop talking? <laughs> oh. Oh, it's that? I don't know. No, don't be worried about that. Oh, okay. I'm imagining their response. Clever. Thank you. Yeah. So that's that's different advice for how to improve your advice in person versus on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think that in person, I tend to not give as much direct advice versus the podcast obviously is set up for giving direct advice whereas in person it's more this is your active therapist listening training and yeah. you're asking them to develop their own advice like so what would you do to yeah supporting them in yeah, yeah doing that yeah and sort of fluctuating the flow of my output as more of a, a color or an emotion or a background of mm-hmm. helping them think about it. <clears throat> but I think on the podcast that end in person, it leads me to talk in weird circles and confusing abstract airy language with no stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is a problem I'm aware of, but still struggling to fix. Have you ever asked a friend to help you correct a lingual tick? Now, a speech right pattern? now. Okay. Something that's been really helpful for me in my men's group, every man, yeah. is uh, they'll call you out anytime that you use a qualifier for an emotion. Anytime you say kind of or a little or somewhat, they say just say the emotion. Right. And I'm noticing it a lot more when other people do it now, but they yeah. haven't asked me for this help. I think <laughs> that, you know, I, I don't want to be like, oh, you felt kind right. of anxious, you know, interrupting you when you're telling me about some situation. Right. Um, but I do that now as a practice on Wednesday nights when I'm with this men's group. And I like the way that it's affected my speech. Yeah. And I wonder if that is something that you'd like me to do or if you'd find that annoying. I have two uh, vocal tics that I would like assistance with. Okay. Probably not live on the podcast. I figured that I'll do this, this off air. Yeah. Uh, uh, saying uh and um. Okay. Versus just being silent <laughs> and then you know okay both of those <clears throat> are unattractive to me or not unattractive but they inhibit or don't further the point that i'm making 
and have the potential to come off as cavalier in a or what's another word for it that i'm that i'm being too sort of a casual tone Mm -hmm. too casual of a tone it undermines the authority of your voice yes precisely precisely so and also you guys can help hold me accountable for making progress in these respects as well as long time evolving listeners of this podcast mm-hmm. evolving with us. <laughs> I'm thinking of squirtles turning into war turtles, turning into blastoises. I don't <laughs> know what any of those words those are. are Pokemon. Po- oh, it's Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon. <laughs> yes. They evolve. Excellent. Yeah. I too wish to be a squirtle that turns into a snurgle bob. Um, <laughs> I just said, um, but should we get into the questions? Let's get into the questions. Why don't Let's freaking do it. Yeah. Choo, 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 choo. This week we're doing There's the lightning round first. Yeah. And the distance between the thunder and lightning is getting shorter and shorter. Cause here come the lightning round questions. This is my hair standing on end. I'm about to get zapped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Prepare your hairs. This first. Prepare your hair. Prepare ladies. your hairs. <laughs> Uh, this first question comes yeah. from come to a, comes to us from Ramon Noodles one R A M O N okay. probably meant ramen but maybe his name's Ramon could have been taken. Uh, I'm starting middle school quite nervous. Should I be nervous? Yes, if you're nervous, you should be nervous. Yeah, you should allow for that. I think that's the best I can do. Yeah, and then while you're allowing yourself to be nervous. See how it feels to just be in that feeling, to comfort yourself for feeling nervous, to acknowledge that probably every other person going into middle school at any given time in the history of the world has has felt some degree of nervousness. You are okay. You are uh, not a freak. You are not weird. You are a middle schooler. It is your job to be like nervous about everything. <laughs> I think two alternative questions that they might be also asking it, is mm-hmm. it normal to be nervous yes. or do I need to be nervous? Right, right. The answers to that are yes and no. Right, right. And if you wish to reduce your nervousness, uh, trying to push it away or uh, ignore that it's happening are going to multiply it. They're going to stick it in you and then yes. you're going to feel oh. that it's un yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to stick right in you. It's going to impale you it's with its long dick. Yeah. Um middle schoolers know about dicks. Some do. Yeah. I I did, but I didn't know what, exactly what they looked like at this point, I think. I was imagining all kinds of weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Cuz I didn't have one. Um a real quick piece of lightning round advice for this person. Um Follow your nerves, your fears to their conclusion. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. like, okay, what what am I worried is going to happen? M- write that down specifically or say it out loud. And then what happens if that happens? Say you're n- nervous that um, you'll make a fool out of yourself. Okay, how? Uh, by drooling on yourself and a, a pretty girl seeing it. And okay, then what happens? People laugh at you. And then what happens? You don't have any friends. And then what happens? You don't have anyone to sit with at lunch and you're sad. And then what happens? Yes. Doing this exercise helps to concretize the sort of what that path would look like and helps distance you from the lens of being entrenched in it. Um, And it helps you to look at it objectively, kind of create a plan, distance yourself. Yeah. And uh, I think that 
any specific fear is less scary than a generalized. Yes. It's like turning on the lights in a room where there might be something making a noise. You don't know what it is. Seeing that it's a raccoon is a lot less scary than when the lights are still out and it could be any kind of monster. It's amorphous. So right. just, just identifying exactly the shape of this monster is going to help you deal with it. Yes, because any blank space or uncertainty allows your imag- imagination to run wild with yeah. it could be and will be the worst thing. <laughs> Maybe it's something that was embarrassing for you or difficult for you to deal with in the past and mm-hmm. you're worried about that happening again. Mm-hmm. Well, then you can prepare for that specific situation. Whether it's like tripping over your shoelaces, okay, you can learn how to tie shoes the right way, which there's a two-minute TED Talk on. Uh, we'll post a link in the description if we remember. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, we forgot. <laughs> um, I also would like to yeah. say that when I look back on even the most embarrassing things that happened to kids in my school, in yeah. middle school... Uh, Please share them looking, here with full names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking back... Yeah. Uh, as now a an adult, those are the most colorful, fun memories. And I don't think less of those people for those things. They're just little moments of nostalgia that I have for that time in my life. And so I know it can be hard to think that, you know, in the moment especially, that you would to think about time in that in yeah. that respect of being so long that eventually it won't matter because you're right. in the here and now. Um, but rest assured, time heals a lot of wounds. <laughs> One of the uh, major experiences that young people don't have that keeps them in some type of immature thinking is that, that firsthand knowledge of the distance that time gives you and the healing property of that, that yeah. things that were so painful become funny. As yeah. time goes on, and th- it might take 10 years, it might take a long time, but if you don't have memories and like a connection to that person who was feeling that way and noticing how different you feel about it now, and then it can seem impossible for things to change. But later on in life, you start to recognize, oh, yeah, okay, this is temporary like that thing when I was 10. Yeah. And the other, the last thing I want to say about this before yeah. we move to the next question is that you can always observe the bodily sensation that is being nervous and ask yourself okay how is this different from excitement and what would have to happen for that coin to flip Mm. what are the things that i'm excited about with middle school because i'm sure there are things that are you know scary um but it's also this really wonderful period of growth and maturity that happens i mean yes puberty is it's a wonderful growth of periods if you're a female (laughs) You're welcome. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll start to have like little boobs and, you know, your your dick will do different things, right? I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's really, it can be a positive period of growth, even though it's tremendously uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It will be. My middle school experience was tremendously uncomfortable. My high school experience was tremendously uncomfortable. I didn't start enjoying life until college. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and I turned out great. She did. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ramon That was a great noodles. question. Yeah, I, I would have done a full round on that, but that's okay. I'm glad we lightninged it. We killed it. Next. <gasps> Next comes from A. Istrick. Uh, how do I get over a celebrity crush dating slash marrying? I know it's silly, but it's ridiculous how much it troubles me. Hmm. Do you ever have a celebrity crush? Yes, but I've never felt any possessiveness whatsoever over their track of dating other people. Yeah, I, I've never also, I've never really followed that either. 
I used to fantasize about the middle Hanson brother, Taylor Hanson, yeah. um, snuggling next to me in bed at night. I was pretty attached to that fantasy. I think I had a different, I might have had Nick Carter on the left of me and Taylor Hanson on the right. And I was mm. like snuggled in the middle with my boys. That felt nice. That was good. Um, and I think I recognized the, recognizing the difference between the the fantasy that you hold of that person and kind of the specialness and, and fondness you feel for them and that person out there in the world. Because I think yes. you can recognize and appreciate how that celebrity crush has served you and the meaning that you've injected into it. Um, and as best as you can kind of separate that and be able to acknowledge within yourself that even though that vision is meaningful to you, that person exists somewhere and they're entitled just the way that you are to live their life however they yes. want to. The same way that you are entitled to fantasize about living your lives together. Right. And uh, I think the opportunity for growth here is in learning how to accept um, when you're attached to something that is not available to you, something or yeah. someone. Yes. Yeah. That's what growing up is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we go to a coming of age yeah. podcast. <laughs> Boyhood, the podcast. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, Morning Woodcock asks, will people that come with a UV light to inspect carpet for dog pee and stuff say to my parents that there's semen on the floor? No. Almost definitely not. Um, why? Why not? Why my, wouldn't they? My do girlfriend that? has a UV light that she uses regularly. Ah, oh, yes. And just for <laughs> looking for scorpions, it's been a great source of fun. <laughs> Lots of things show up as bright white, um, like all bodily fluids or, or mm -hmm. many of them, not just semen. You know, mm -hmm. Not all. I don't think blood does. But um, so I, I don't know why, unless your parents hired them to investigate whether there's semen in the room. And the dog pee and stuff is a cover story? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they shouldn't do that. <laughs> but, okay, maybe let's say you have parents like that. <laughs> um, no, I don't think that there are services out there that go into kids' rooms or whatever age you are and search for semen and then give a report back to parents about whether it's <laughs> your child is masturbating. Yeah, exactly. Beware. <laughs> right. It has to come out of your body. Some yeah. way. Like yeah. It, you, yeah. Boys, you need to feel guilty. Boys need a, a bit of better education about that in the sense that the way that girls do about periods. I think that like this blood is going to be released from your body. Here's what you can do to manage that. Yeah. Um, if you don't masturbate or have sex or your body will release it while you're asleep. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great sex ed segment. Thanks. Yeah. Um, cool. So good luck with that. Yeah. Um, and this is the last question in the lightning round. Pachoo, pachoo, pachoo. This guy's a phonies. The eye of the storm. Or is it the other side of the storm and the eye was... The ear of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's a crumble of earwax out of the ear of the storm. Lie about maternity leave. People get all this extra time off for having a child. Why can't I just say my quote unquote wife is having a child so I get the time off? I've had a vasectomy, so children are definitely not on my timeline. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't finish reading that with a straight face. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay, why can't you lie about it? You can. I don't think that you can. Oh, you can. Do, are you saying they should? Do they need proof? I think, oh. Um, like, aren't you going to be spending the rest of your life lying about the fact that you have a child? 
Yeah. And you have gonna... to probably prove with some kind of documentation you think so? to your employer that you are getting time off. I would I guess would... that depends on the workplace. That's probably true. Like, do you think that they're because think about if somebody comes in, if, you know, in six months, I'm going to be a father and is like sharing all this joy. And, and then point. do you say like, hey, we're going to actually need some proof. We need to see the birth certificate, or do you just like? I think that'd be an awkward conversation for the boss to have. I don't know. I haven't been. But in this maybe situation. it's standard protocol. Maybe if they have yeah. like a HR department. Yeah. That's. I don't know. Like when you, um, wasn't there a thing about airfare for debts in the family being like discounted or something like that? Or you you can get a partial refund maybe on a flight if you if somebody died. If somebody died. Yeah. Um, and they tried, there was an episode of Seinfeld where someone tried to claim that and they needed the death certificate. I don't know. This is a very yeah, not... Yeah, I haven't seen it. This is not very research, <laughs> yeah. evidence-based research. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I guess like, why don't you abuse the system in all kinds of ways? Because it ruins it for the people who really need it is the big... Yeah, because it's wrong. So don't do it because it's wrong. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> Which is advice I rarely just say flat out, but yeah. It, no, if there's a system that can be gamed and you're not hurting anybody, then I'm all for gaming it and I do that. But in this case, it's like you'll get the right removed from people who are using this to raise a kid. And don't don't you want to value that as a society? If, if not, yeah. then I guess you have your right to protest that. But I think it's good. I think that uh, workers should be allowed more time off to raise totally. their kids. And we, we all function better if kids have more yeah. attention from their parents. That's what I was going to say, too, is this particular issue, depending, especially depending on where you're coming from, like what country you live in, uh, there's still problems with not getting enough time off paternity or maternity. And so it's something that's actively being fought for. And it feels disrespectful of that to be gaming it. In that way. If you feel like you're being shortchanged by this and there's other people who are like freeloading with their paternity time. And their wives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just kid. I have not had a kid, but. Ask for more PTO. It's got to be worse than what you're imagining <laughs> it is right now. Like if what you're looking for is more freedom, uh, you have it already than these people. Yeah, because you're not going to have a kid. Yeah. So welcome to freedom. Yeah. If your complaint is like you've adopted a child that doesn't qualify or something, then I think there's an argument. That's a legit there. complaint. Yeah, 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 but it doesn't sound like you're. Ready no, this to person do that for specifically person. says they've had a vasectomy, so right. children are definitely not on their timeline. Right. Well, you can still adopt kids with a vasectomy, but children are definitely not on my timeline. Yes, I think he's saying in no respect. They don't want one. Don't want one. Yeah, they might have a change of heart later. You. This person doesn't even have a wife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so don't do this is my advice. Yeah, don't do this. And like Rob said, if you are looking for more... Uh, freedom. Freedom, more vacation, see about how you can get go about that. Or yeah. Consider evaluate a different job. Having a kid who can become a rich movie star as a child and pay for all your bills. There you go. Be one of those parents. Yeah. Well, you'd have to adopt them, though, because you've had a vasectomy. Oh, they could be reversed, right? I believe so. Yes. Okay, so reverse your vasectomy. Yeah. Have a kid. Find a wife. Yeah. Case closed. Great. Pew pew pew. Lightning round over. Okay. You ready to move on to the main round? Sure am. Ladies and gentlemen, the event you've all been waiting for. J saw sixty nine. J S A W six nine. Asks, I'm too insecure and clingy. 
I'm really insecure about myself. Weight, looks, height, intelligence, etc. For reference, I'm 15 years old female. I do have friends, but I always feel like they only hang around me because they pity me. I recognize that when I'm not being interacted with by someone, I assume they don't like me, and I know that's a bit unreasonable, but I'll just get into my own head and end up overwhelmed. I want to get better at trusting my friends and everyone around me, but I don't know how. Every time I seem to be enjoying hanging out with my friends, I get paranoid that I'm being a burden to them. I've asked them multiple times, and they always say they enjoy hanging out with me, and I think I've started to annoy them with my insecurities. I'm digging myself a hole, and I don't know how to stop. No matter what anyone says, I can't see myself as worth anything, and certainly not deserving of the wonderful friends I have. The new school year is starting soon, and I want to start it on a good foot, but I don't know if I can. I just want to know how I can get more confidence and trust in the people I care about. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, the first thought that comes to mind is the Lord's Mm -hmm. Prayer. So I'd like to repeat that here. Please do. I don't have it memorized. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. This is the serenity prayer. This is not the Lord's Prayer? I think the Lord's Prayer is different. (laughs) Okay. Well, whatever. I want to give you the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. As far as your insecurities go, I think that you should... Some of these things will change on their own. Some of them are things that are under your control, and some of them are out of your control. So the things that are going to change, you can work to expedite them or just wait. The things that you can change, you can come up with an action plan and take the first baby step towards, uh, say you want to lose weight, if that's something that would be healthy for you to do. I don't know your specific situation, but if a doctor thinks that that's healthy, then take one step in the direction of losing that weight by changing your diet or exercising, for instance. Um, And then wisdom of knowing the difference, that's something that you might seek help from people who have suffered from the same things that you're insecure about. I would recommend, if you have a relationship with your parents where you feel like you can turn to them, turning to them, if that's not a good relationship, Older siblings, other family members, trusted teachers, this is where you should turn to support people who care about you, who you trust. If you don't have people like that, I'd make that a first priority because this is a difficult time to go through on your own. Great advice. Thanks. Uh, It does get very hard when you are kind of lost in that emotional spiral. Uh, to differentiate the things that you can change, the things that you can't, uh, and to see clearly because your mirror becomes so warped. And I actually want to I want to pull out a couple of the things that you said, Jay saw, um, and see if we can kind of peel back the curtain on them a little bit. There was uh, a line that you said. Uh, no matter what anyone says, I can't see myself as worth anything and certainly certainly not deserving of the wonderful friends I have. So I first I want to validate that it's really, really difficult to have that feeling of no self-worth or low self-worth. And I've been there a million billion times. And it's a slow uphill battle to build that internal sense of self-worth, especially when you feel like you're starting with nothing. Um, But the cool thing about so much of what you said here is that you offer yourself some counterpoints to that emotional, um, that voice in your head that's saying that I'm worth nothing, which is that you have all these wonderful friends 
who are telling you that they do want to be around you. And so even though that is really hard, I've completely been there where it's hard to take that at face value because you're so, uh, you you feel like you're drowning in your own self image, the way that you see yourself. Uh, You see yourself maybe, I I saw myself as this sort of eternal loser. I had some body dysmorphia and I thought I was literally the ugliest person walking the face of the earth. Um, And the more that you can identify that pattern of, okay, what are the things that are in my head that haven't been validated by uh, someone who I trust and start to investigate when I compare this to the data and the evidence around me, how do they stack up? So, for example, you have all these friends who are telling you this information, which you can use every time you go to that place uh, to weigh against that internal vision and the concrete words of these people that you care about. And the clue that you are deserving of those friends is that they've stuck around up until Mm -hmm. this point. And they see you as worthy because they're choosing to spend their time with you. And that's the most precious resource that we have. And so that investment in other that, that other people are putting in you uh, can be the kernel of sort of self-worth that you can start to build your own self, your own concept of self-worth around. Yeah. Ask these people what they like about you. That's a, a tough thing to ask for, for me at least. Yeah. Um, but pay attention to and trust what they're saying. If they're people that you trust, there's going to be good in there. And I, I want to point out that a person's teenage years are the time that they usually, if they ever develop this, yeah. um, develop the um, understanding. They overcome the idea that everything is all or nothing, mm. that things are black or white. Or that um, people are just good or bad. Food is icky or yummy. Um, th- I'm that's, still overcoming this. Yes. A lot of people don't overcome this, um, especially on a specific topic, if it's been hard for them to get past that point of development. But your teenage years are the time when you learn that, oh, there's gradations mm-hmm. in value and I can be annoying to be around and still be a good friend. Like if I did one thing that was annoying once – the temptation is in an immature view to generalize that into meaning, oh, I must be annoying all the time. Mm-hmm. I must be all bad because mm-hmm. I did one thing that was bad for somebody once. Yeah. But as you grow, you'll start to examine your own experiences with other people. Of Sometimes people let you down. Mom and dad have flaws. A lot of teenagers, when they start recognizing that, will demonize the parent as oh they're not perfect like i thought they were before when i was a kid now that i've seen something bad about them they're all bad starting to see things as a more rounded realistic shades of gray Mm -hmm. view of the world um you can start to apply that to yourself and Mm -hmm. it will help you accept that oh there are some things about me that i don't like or that other people wouldn't like and there are some things that are really good Mm -hmm. and my combination makes me a worthwhile person. Some some people will be attracted to the things that are bad about me because they, they're bad about them too. And the way that I've dealt with it, the way that I see it is inspiring to them. Yeah. Um, I had some thoughts in what you were just saying. Uh, and it kind of also relates to another 
quote from this per- female, this this girl that I okay. wanted to pull out, which is, um, I think I've started to annoy them with my insecurities. Uh, on the last episode, we talked a lot about defense mechanisms and projection. And so I want to define that for you, Jaysaw, of often these things that we think other people are perceiving about us are things that we are perceiving about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I feel that you are probably frustrated with your perception of your insecurities um, because you've been dealing with them for probably close to your whole life. You've been building evidence and compiling here all the ways that I'm bad, just like Rob said. Uh, And so, you know, it, it, when, when we have that internal conception of ourselves, uh, without realizing it, we often assign it to someone else and say, because I'm annoyed, un- it's happen all, happening all unconsciously. Because I'm annoyed with myself, I'm assuming that Josh is also annoyed with me or Stacy is also annoyed with me um, because that's where your heart and mind are mm-hmm. in the moment. And the other thing that happens, like Rob said, when you are labeling, look, looking at things black and white and all good, all bad is that our brains also have a predisposition to cling on to the negative things. And I'm sure that a lot of the things that are really good about you, that that your friends and your family family probably feel like you know and don't need to be reminded of, the good things aren't factoring into this narrative that you have about yourself, that you know, you're unattractive or annoying or uh, whatever all these flaws are that are taking up so much of your brain space right now, uh, it's important to not let the good things slip away because of our brain's natural tendency to cling on to the things that need to be fixed or we perceive need to be fixed. And hopefully this gives you uh, an extra incentive to be reminded and to go out, like Rob said, and ask people for the good things about you. And people are often really happy to report those things and excited mm-hmm. to give you that feedback. Um, you're not burdening them. You're giving them an opportunity to reflect on what they like about you. And then they're more likely to be reminded of the things that they like about you in your daily interactions. Yes. Um, and then the last thing I would say is sort of your, as you've noticed when you're slipping into this kind of spiral or black hole of like, I just keep digging myself deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, Energy goes where attention flows. So the more, I know this can be a scary thought when you're on that, that uh, edge of kind of spiraling into something negative. It's important to remember that the next step you take can always be in a positive direction. And at first it seems like just a drop in the bucket in comparison with the tidal wave of negative thoughts that you're having about yourself. But you have to start somewhere in order to grow that seed of positivity and start to fight that tide in the opposite direction and building up the positive things that you're noticing about yourself. Yeah. This can be a a daily gratitude list, just writing down three things that you're grateful for in your life or about yourself mm-hmm. um, just developing some type of a practice to focus on positive things will make them larger in your life and it'll make you see them more and then that will help you overcome some of your own frustration with this insecurity because it won't be the only thing in your mind for so long I have a personal caveat I think the, the, gravi- the uh, gratitude advice is always good Um, But I also want to throw in a personal caveat that I have with 
the gratitude listing is that when I was younger um, and I was beginning to report on feeling depressed uh, and, you know, any kind of dissatisfaction or negative emotion as far as how I was interpreting, you know, what, what was my experience, like especially with my parents, um, I was told everything's fine, like you should be grateful for what you have. And so I kind of began to associate gratitude with this thing that I was forced to do and this denial of my negative feelings mm. um, and something that you just whitewash over them with. And so if that's where you're coming from, Jsoff, any part of you feels like um, focusing too much on the positive or being told to focus on the positive um, or the things that you're grateful for feels like an undermining of the um, negative emotions that you're reporting and the insecurities and the annoyances and the frustrations and the sadness of what you're telling us. Um, I also want to say what you're going through sounds really fucking hard. Um, and regardless of to what extent Rob or I have personally been there or anyone else your age is going through, which they are, I'm sure. Um, it's important that, you know, even though you're 15 and that some of this stuff is, you know, emotionally driven that we don't act like that, that makes it non-real in yeah. some way. Cause it is very real. Um, the pain that you're experiencing. And, uh, I think that in the future you stand a good chance of experiencing less of it. Um, but to the extent to which you're capable of, um, turning towards the positive or inviting it in or developing that willingness to believe or that trust in your friends and family when they tell you things about you like that you don't annoy them um, is going to serve you well. And the earlier you can start building that foundation and working towards that, the better. Um, as long as it doesn't edge out the very valid experience of just sharing in how tough things are for you in those circumstances. Yes. I, uh, I'm really glad you said that. I'm, Thanks. Uh, I don't want that gratitude advice at all to sound like <laughs> no. something that you're obligated to do. It's just something that you can do mm-hmm. if you feel up for it. You're also totally can feel sad and should, if you feel sad, you should give yourself some time to experience that without trying to fix it. Yeah. Um, and there will be value in feeling that sadness and that pain. You'll recognize it in other people and have more empathy. And you'll feel more motivated to provide them comfort and support when you witness that in people who are maybe younger than you or uh, mm-hmm. people who are dealing with things that you've already figured out for yourself. Yeah. You'll be glad someday that you <clears throat> experience these things um, and know that any feeling that you feel right now, it's not always going to feel that way. Yeah. I think the last piece of advice that I would want to give mm-hmm. also is I'm sure there are so many people your age or, you know, in your network that would resonate with the idea that they're or the fear of, of burdening people. Mm-hmm. And I think finding someone with whom you can connect over that specific point can be a really helpful connection for um, building trust because mm-hmm. then you both can support each other in uh, overcoming that sen- that shared sense of I'm worried about burdening you as we try to build intimacy. 
Um, because that's, I mean, that's something that I experience. Um, I've, I've been doing market research on trying to speak my clients languages as a coach and almost every single person, when I asked them the question of, do you struggle to ask for help reported feeling burdened in asking for help, feeling burdened in sharing pain with other people. And every single one of them was also, uh, working really hard in their personal and professional lives to help other people. And so we all have this sense that we want to help other people and share in their vulnerability, but oh God, no, mine is such a burden. And that's a really interesting double standard to take a look at in ourselves. That why is it that I'm always happy to help others and get joy and fulfillment out of that? Yet I feel a tremendous amount or maybe a disproportionate amount of fear in in doing the same and, and unleashing that vulnerability because we so often fear that our vulnerability is going to be so much more than anyone can handle we're we are so irreparably broken that no one could possibly put the pieces back together it would right. take an, an amount of time that the isn't even gonna the sun's gonna explode before all my issues would be yeah. resolved and that's just not true we all have those we all have sadness we all have pain we all have fear and the more that we can help each other hold those things and and deal with them as a group rather than in isolation, the more everyone benefits. And if you can't find people that you relate to on the specific issues that you're going through right now, whether that's because uh, you feel trapped in your family or your school support network, your friends leave you behind, people your age do cruel things. If that ever happens, turn to art. (laughs) <laughs> yes seriously oh i mean look for music that. that you relate to <laughs> read books see plays whatever it is whatever Draw, medium paint. you're into right. i'm not talking about creating art oh. i'm talking about consuming it oh okay this is why people's musical tastes are stuck in their teenage years because it's the time that they most need to feel that someone else is feeling the things that they're feeling and so mm. if there's that eminem song that came on the first time i was mad at my parents that forever to me will be like, oh, it's okay that I feel this way. Someone else mm-hmm. has felt this way and it'll have a special place in my heart. So yeah. look to music, find your own tastes on these things. And uh, there will be someone who has experienced something like what you're going through and feel that connection with that person, even if you can't contact them. And you know, if you are a big fan of some author or a musician, a writer, they love receiving messages about this stuff. If you want to give them a short story of how this impacted you, it will probably mean a lot to them if they ever read it. And yeah. if they don't, it'll feel good for you just to express it. Absolutely. That's amazing advice. And I'm sorry that I jumped to the conclusion of that you were advising her to make art. That's also a good route, but um, can be scarier or, you know, if you're totally. insecure about the quality of the art. Um, just consume it first. And then if that inspires you to want to make, uh, you know, say that you're a big fan of Selena Gomez's music and then you want to do a cover of one of her songs or something, then that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And in this particular case, too, because we often can spin around in our heads so much these same thoughts over and over. Um, and I, I know that 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 you were describing your experience that way. Jay saw writing it down, writing it down and just Getting it on a piece of paper can also make it less scary. And you can literally look that piece of paper in the face and go, yep, those are my feelings right there. Yeah. And once they're on that paper, you can identify that it's a separate 
thing from you. Even though you still feel it, you're still connected to that feeling. It's something that you've pinned down. And even in writing this question, you've done that. You've pinned yeah. it down. Um, and so I hope that you can start to kind of grow a sense of these are feelings that I can slip in and out of. Mm -hmm. There are breaks where I don't feel that way, where I feel connection or trust. Uh, and then ask yourself, okay, what's enabling me to feel that way right now? Yeah. How can I repeat that experience? Where you feel secure, where you feel valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And remembering what it feels like when you're out of the that emotional torrent, when you're in that emotional torrent, knowing how it feels in your body so that the next time you kind of get into that spiral, you can yeah. identify, I think I'm spiraling. <laughs> yes. If you write down the positive times too, you'll start to notice there are patterns. There are certain people, situations, and activities where I feel valuable, where I feel secure, and you'll start to seek those people, situations, activities more. Yeah. And that's uh, the process called differentiating that what you're looking at me all surprised yeah right? i just never heard it's, it termed that yeah go recognize ahead recognize what is different about you from other people what you're uniquely good at mm. when mm -hmm. uh you notice what value you have that other people don't and you proceed in that direction i want to ask you a question yeah. right now what value do you think you have that is uniquely you differentiate yourself sure um i'm funny i help people uh see the ways that things that they think are a big deal are actually not a big deal in comparison <laughs> to something else. Yes, um, I help people <laughs> reorient their perspective and um, I provide a, a calming type of attention to mm -hmm. people. Um, I'm also a good host yeah. and uh, plan things that allow people to connect with one another in a way that's satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So, There's other stuff, but yeah, I don't yeah, need to go on a rant yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You don't I have a problem listing dick. these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's as, it can be as easy as that, Jason. And, yeah. and you're not going to have maybe as easy of a time as Rob because he's done a lot of this self-exploration and actually like, listing those things out. But just ask yourself. Be brave mm -hmm. enough to ask. And maybe a second follow-up assignment, maybe not at the same time, but sure. what are the things that you'd like to be true about you in that category? Yeah. You know? Who do you want to be when you're 17 or mm -hmm. 25? An, a good way to do that is who do you admire and then what do they do that you wish that you did? If it's Selena Gomez, what do you like about the way that she sings? Am I picking somebody that kids aren't into anymore? I have I'm no idea. I myself. personally don't like Selena Gomez because <laughs> okay. I don't think she really can sing. Billie Eilish then. Sure. Uh, she's popular right now. That's yeah, hard yeah, to yeah. argue Good with. choice. Good choice. So like, what is it about Billie? Is it the way that she talks so openly about these negative emotions or like goes into scary thoughts? I don't know. I like Billy's production. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's obvious. It's obvious. That's what I like about Billy. And yeah. I don't think she has that much to do about it, but I like her yeah. taste. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And once you identify that, again, it's something that you can point to to go, okay, this is a tangible goal that I can take step towards. It's not yeah. abstractly, yeah. I'm nowhere near that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... Good luck, Jaysaw. Yeah, you are going to be just fine. And thank you so much for posting this question on the internet. Yeah. You have been the opposite of a burden. You have been a gift to us today because you've inspired us to talk about all these things and uh, help us make this podcast better. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. If I could, if I had like a fucking dime for every time I've felt the way that you felt, I would be a very, very, very rich fucking bitch. Yeah. Um, I and I've overcome it. 
<laughs> Morgan was searching on the internet for probably 10, 15 minutes today. Like, oh, there's no good questions. There's no this good questions. True. And then she landed on yours and she was like, I've got it. All right. Yep. You've got a great one. Let's go. Yep. Let's do this. And That's I felt true. such relief. <laughs> and I felt like, all right, we've got a good episode coming up. So thank you for posting that. It really, uh, it affected the course of our afternoon in a positive way. Yeah. I feel really good right now. I feel really Me too. good. Cool. All right, you guys, sleepy heads, tuck yourselves in. <laughs> the assumption that it's nighttime is infuriating to me because we're it's it's fucking five p.m. Listen, people start the podcast on their drive to work. Ah, uh, they listen to the lightning round on the way home and while they're cooking dinner, and then as they're winding down and doing their late night calisthenics and stretching <laughs> routine. <laughs> That's when they end the podcast as they tuck themselves into bed. They turn the volume way up while they're brushing their teeth with their electric toothbrush for uh-huh. the end of our uh, long question session. And then they close their eyes right as the outro music comes in, just like this. And they start listening to the most distant sound they can hear. And they sink into that vortex of rest, comfort, and security, knowing that they're going to be okay tomorrow. And next week, Free Advice Podcast is going to be back. And anytime that they have issues, they know that they can just write us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer their questions.